Single Podcast 30, after a bit of a false start there due to our daughter screaming like a banshee downstairs, out of the blue. She had a nightmare, the poor little duckling. She's not living asleep 40 minutes. <laughs> it's almost like a new record. True. Anyway, you've just heard the dulcet tones of Mrs. Mungrel there, hot off her Brownlow review. Oh, God. Yes, widely acclaimed as always. Yep, I try. You do try. Hey, I cooked tonight. You did? Chicken schnitzel. Yep, with pumpkin and And some potato. chicken nuggets that we had. Not your run-of-the-mill, uh, you know, Heinz, whatever it is, chicken nuggets you pull out of the... Freezer. Freezer. Thank you. I was going to say oven. <laughs> yes, we do eat them frozen. They're lovely. And uh, <laughs> they were pretty good, I have to say. Bit of pumpkin, bit of mash. You had some broccoli. Yep. I skillfully avoided the broccoli. There wasn't enough for both of us. I wasn't oh, I wasn't going to share that. The shame. <laughs> but you did uh, indulge us with some scones yesterday. I did. I was pretty pleased with that. How many are left? None. None. Gone. Gonski, our oh daughter. Oh, God, it only took a day. Might have been Saturday. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was Saturday. I made them Sunday. I thought today was Sunday, but it's not Sunday, is it? It's not Sunday. I wish it was Sunday. God. Because that's my fun day. <laughs> idiot anyway so a lot of chat a lot of chat about the brownlow coming up we've uh you know obviously watched that riveted to our seats i look lockdown's boring enough i didn't need that what why about, did you what about the dudes with the masks on? i had no idea who was who except for max gorn yeah clayton oliver cute. yeah and i had no idea jay simpkins head was so big because <laughs> i could tell it was him i'm like wow Look at Joe Simpkins' five head. Oh. He's a monster. You can usually tell a five head. He looked like Roger from American oh. Dad with a bit of hair. <laughs> like when he's Ricky Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll get onto that as well. So, Tigers and Cats in the grand final. Yeah. How disappointed are you? Your tip was? Oh, my tip was that it would be Brisbane... Port Adelaide. And Port. I was going to say Brisbane and the other ones because I couldn't remember. Yeah, the other ones. That's how, that's how they're referred to in Adelaide. Yeah. It's the Adelaide Crows and the other ones. I've been more disappointed before. I wanted a Sun Saints grand final. Nothing there. Yes, well, that I was... I even wanted a Melbourne Saints final. You, you were bound for disappointment asking for those things, though. I was happy to throw Port into the mix. Yep. And I'm now not really sure who to barrack for. Do so, I do a double-eyed review... You know, people talk about one-eyed people. Yeah. Oh, you're going to have both eyes wide open. Maybe I will. Don't and be like Nicole Kidman. Oh. Have oh, eyes wide shut. I've never seen it. That was freaking was it terrible. <laughs> terrible show. I feel like show. it would have been really bad. She, she's just weird looking, isn't she? She is. Yeah, like a porcelain doll. Yeah. That you want to break. And Tom Cruise is just like all teeth. And, he is. And, and a bit of a nose. Yeah, he's an odd looking fella. Yeah, but highly successful. Mm. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being incredibly disappointed and 1 not giving a rat's ass, you are... About what? About Port and Brisbane both oh. bowing out. We are just talking about it like <laughs> 10 seconds ago. <laughs> I'm probably a 2. Yeah, because you didn't watch either game. No, I um, didn't. Port really close, but we'll get onto that in a minute anyway, because there's been an important matter that surfaced just this afternoon. It involves your um, Mr. Muscle superhero... Jeremy Cameron. Jeremy Cameron. Well done. Didn't even have to give you a clue on that one. Although I did give you notes. There's (laughs) there's only one Mr. Muscle in there. Thank you. So he's decided he wants to leave GWS. Doesn't want to be around there anymore. He was one of their foundation players. 
so even before they entered the competition was contracted to GWS has spent his whole career there and now after they failed to make the finals has said you know what I reckon I've had enough of this shit I'm out so he has nominated Geelong as his preferred destination I'm thinking well that's all well and good Geelong are flying at the moment they've got a great list obviously they're playing in the grand final they're Aren't obviously their best players really old. Well, I, I think their best players are. So you've got Dangerfield, who's 30 plus, Hawkins, who's 32, I believe, and that's the guy who he'll eventually replace. You've got Ablett, who's 35, I think, and Selwood, who's maybe, I'm guessing here, but about 31, maybe 32. So their best players and their most decorated players are all on the way out in the next couple of years. You'd think Hawkins can continue playing at a high level for a couple of years because you know, he's playing deep forward. Cameron will probably play half forward, centre half forward, which will probably benefit his aerobic ability because he runs a fair way up the ground and gets back. I'm wondering how he's going to go at Geelong. He's had one goal or less nine times this season. So in a 17-game season, over half the games... He was basically a non-factor. Was he supposed to get goals? Is that what he's meant to do? Coming into this season, oh, he was the reigning he? Coleman medalist. Oh, so the number say, one... He was the goals man. And he, now he, he was the nothing. goals man. And now he's the sometimes goals man. But oh, no. this season, he was one of the huge letdowns. He flies under the radar with GWS because they fly under, fly under the radar. So they don't get a huge amount of press. Um, we try and treat all the teams equally on the mongrel punt, but... Having listened no, we to guys, Saints are the best. I try. Um, <laughs> some of us do, anyway. But you know, I've listened to journos and stuff talk, and they talk about how few reads they get when they do a story on a GWS player. So, the whole point of their publications are to sell papers. Why would they bother wasting column space on, you know, what happened? Well, why is Jeremy Cameron playing so poorly? So he's been able to kind of cruise through the year. Oh, he's a bit disappointing. People are saying, oh, look, you know, Jeremy Cameron's having a bad year. But no one really put him under the microscope. I'm not sure he gets that same consideration at Geelong. Geelong are pretty rabid. Their fans down there, you know, what are they, 45 minutes from Melbourne? Geelong people. They're an entity unto themselves. They are. I mean, you know, you can, you can go on the Geelong bypass and not have to associate with them <laughs> if you prefer, which most of us do. But... You know, they are, they're rabid down there. And if he kind of cruises in there and plays at a similar level to he did to the way he did this year, I'm not sure he gets to go and, you know, have the laid-back lifestyle he likes, which is going fishing, enjoying the outdoors. You know, not, not getting... Long take it seriously. Oh, hell yeah. Very seriously. Well, you look at it, they're either going to be the premiers or the runners-up in a few days' time. So it doesn't get much more serious than that. You had GWS this season re-sign their coach for two years and they were just flouncing about around their 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th. I don't know what they finished, but they obviously didn't make the finals. But that was good enough to re-sign their, their coach for a couple of years. I'm like, ah, oh, they believe in him, great. But I'm not sure this sort of performance from Jeremy Cameron will be tolerated for long at Geelong, so he better bring his A game if he signs with them. 
in terms of what Geelong give up, I think they've got three first-round picks this year. They've traded from other people, mainly West Coast, with the Tim Kelly deal. But in terms of players, I'm thinking maybe Charlie Cameron, not Charlie Cameron, sorry, Charlie Constable, is one of the players who he does have trade value. But in terms of GWS, they've already got a great crew of young inside midfielders, so he's going to be on the outer again. Um, if I were Geelong, I'd be looking to offload Constable and maybe use his value somewhere else, get maybe get another pick or something, and then on trade that to GWS, who seem to just continue to compile draft picks because they get so many good players, they spend time in the system, and they, they're shipped out because there's not enough room or money for them. So GWS would be feeling it. They would not be pleased with how this season's played out, and now they've got their number one forward out the door. Well, he didn't do a very good job this year, did he? See ya. Cameron, Cameron. well, yeah, sometimes players have a down year. You yeah. just want to hope that he was maybe carrying a little niggle injury or something, but yeah, he looked a little bit disinterested at times. And if he was thinking back, you know, four or five months ago, I think I'm out of here, that kind of influences the way you play a little bit. Some players anyway, some players... Yeah, that doesn't let him phase him, but black like Jeremy Cameron, he's a laid-back fella. He likes to give off that laid-back vibe. Oh, God. Yeah, anyway, we might get on to the games. Um, good luck, Jeremy. I hope you come into the season fit because I don't think there'll be a lot of tolerance if Geelong start losing and you ain't performing. Tigers and Port. So they finally got out of the Queensland bubble where it's been dewy and slippery for most of the games. They get to Adelaide... And Adelaide turns on an absolute shocker, and it rains for basically 80% of the game. Lovely. And for the other 20%, it's still pretty wet. So, <laughs> yeah, you know. And this is playing right into Richmond's hands, because they, they're the best wet weather team in the competition. So, basically, like it was looked at a couple of years ago, that West Coast could beat them in the dry. But Richmond, if it was wet, we're going to run over the top of everybody. Um, they just have this hard, contested kind of football style, and they take no prisoners. And Port were good, but they just weren't good enough on the on the night. And you had, you know, Richmond doing what Richmond does basically, and it's winning away from home. They won in Port Adelaide last year as well in Adelaide against Port, and they were just fantastic that night, undermanned. And this time they just did it again. Um, they're predicting. Thunderstorms for the grand final as well, by the way, in Brisbane. An eight-day forecast they put out. Oh, dear. And Why would they do I that? don't trust eight-day forecasts. No. What, what, they can't even get tomorrow right half the time. And here they go, wow, it's going to be pretty thundery on grand final day, maybe some storms. Like, yeah, or what? Or it could be sunny. It could be, <laughs> possibly. You know, maybe there'll be a, a, a typhoon. Who knows? Freaking meteorologists. Speaking of meteorologists... You're a fan, but you're not a fan of people who aren't, who pretend to be on TV. How dare they? How dare they? If you're not a meteorologist, don't be telling me the weather on the TV. Get off. I hate you. Get off. Go get your degree, then come back. Have you got anybody in 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 the crosshairs here? Everybody on TV who tells us the weather who isn't a meteorologist. Can I give you a name? Lavinia Nixon. Oh! I yes. don't mind Lavinia Nixon. She was on Rooney. Hey Hey at Saturday. Jan Rooney. Yeah. She's always saying, oh, it's going to be wet in the water. No. <laughs> what about Rebecca Judd? Yep. Yep. 
definitely enemy of the mongrel. Oh, How dare she? Out. How dare they as a collective? Yeah, well, that's been going on for a fair while. Just yep. trot out someone with a name and get them to read the weather. Yeah, why? Do they even know what a hectopascal is? I, I don't know, but you've impressed what me. What about an isosceles triangle? <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the weather, but I bet you they don't know what it is. <laughs> don't ask me what it is. I know it's a triangle. <laughs> anyway, so Toby Nankervis had a really big last quarter. Uh, for whatever reason, he was allowed to drift into defence by himself. I think he took like three intercept marks, uh, was fantastic in, in one-on-ones and stuff down there. His opponent, Scott Lysette, kind of remained as the cutoff man about 50 to 70 metres from goal. I reckon if Ken Hinckley had his time again, he might... You're looking around the microphone at me. <laughs> I was looking at the microphone, I'm so sorry. Did you think you had yours turned off? For a second I did, and I was ready to tell you so, hey, now, we have to start again. Now listeners, hang on a minute, because you ever seem like when the little kid peeks around the corner... <laughs> When they're not like when they get up and they're not supposed to be up and they're kind of poking their head. Around. That's what she's doing at the moment. Quite distracting. So my I'll, bad, my bad. I'll go back I'll just to sit uh, here quietly. I'll go back to Ken Hinckley, who probably made a couple of tactical errors on the night. So um, he opted to keep Lysette out of the defense, out of the attacking fifty. So had he sent him in there, it would have basically given Nankervis a direct opponent to kind of bustle him and make sure he didn't get easy marked, easy intercepts. He opted not to, and uh, Richmond win. I'm wondering how much he lost by having Darcy Byrne-Jones run around with Dustin Martin. Dusty, obviously very strong fella. Darcy Byrne-Jones got a pretty good mullet game, but uh, doesn't have the physical strength to contend with Dusty. Uh, Darcy Byrne-Jones averages 12 touches a game. Oh no, 17 a game and only got 12 in this one. So they lost a lot of drive from halfback from him, and I don't think it impeded Dusty at all. Nobody sat on Nick Flostwin. Flustin? Flustin? Oh, no. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Redhead neighbour Greg. Nick. Nick. Yeah. Nicky V. We'll call Nikki him for v. now. Nicky v. Right. v. No one sat on Nicky V again. He had nine intercepts. And then you had blokes like Stephen Motlop running around who I don't think he's ever played three good games in a row. He was coming off two, and really stunk it up so actually I say really stunk it up he wasn't terrible but he didn't have a big impact on the game as, at all they went after Basher Hawley a little bit so whenever he got the ball he had contact coming every single time so he'd pick up the ball or get a handball out and there'd be a player running straight at him all the time it seemed to affect him he wasn't his usual potent self I thought Shai Bolton was fantastic across half forward didn't kick a goal but looked dangerous all the time he gets, gets the ball. His evasion is so good. Just a sidestep here, sidestep there, creates space, and then creates opportunity. And credit where it's due, a bloke I haven't been a big fan of this season. Daniel Rioli. Daniel Rioli. He was very good in this one. Very clean. Didn't make mistakes. Uh, contributed all over the place. Every time he got the ball, looked dangerous. Marlon Pickett. A lot of people are pretty down on Marlon Pickett. And to be honest, he had a really, really poor first quarter. He was probably Richmond's worst player to quarter, quarter time. Maybe the worst player to half time. I thought he worked into the game really well after half time and has probably done enough to retain his spot for his second grand final. Dylan Grimes, really great first half. 
Didn't get a touch in the second half at all, but didn't really need to either. It's not his job. I had him as one of the top five players on the park in the first half. And we'll talk about him a little bit more when we talk about the grand final preview a bit later on. But he played on Marshall and Laddams and Talden both up in this one. Laddams was basically making a living out of giving him free kicks. So Grimes just thought all his birthdays had come at once in the first half. Every time he went near the ball, Laddams was pushing him in the back or taking him too high or knocking him over and giving him the ball for nothing, giving him easy exits. So I wonder whether Hinckley would look at playing a, a maybe one small man more instead of so many bigs. Marshall had six touches, Laddams had six touches, heaps of free kicks as I said, and Noah Bolter played a really good game on Charlie Dixon. One of the the, the basic tenets of faith for a forward is that you don't get outmarked. You bring the ball to ground and you allow your small guys to run onto it. If you can't mark it, you don't let your opponent mark it either. And Bolter took two contested marks against Dixon, had 10 big spoils in the game. I don't think enough has been spoken about his game. Really, really solid win for the Tigers. Heard a few people say over the last couple of days their wins haven't been convincing. When you go into hostile territory and you play the top team of the year on their deck and you walk away with a win, I don't think you can get more convincing than that. That's about as good as it gets. So, you know, we've had pods here where we haven't been all that complimentary to Richmond. And we've made up for it by having pods where we have been very complimentary to Richmond. Yeah, only because we got called out on it. You did. I'm very impartial. <laughs> very. I don't have. I don't play favourites at all. Liam Baker, great guy. <laughs> but that was a, a fantastic effort from Richmond, and you know they're on the on the verge of winning three out of four flags. So this probably puts them in the frame with who? Hawthorne. And. The Saints. No, the Saints. <laughs> the Saints are in a completely different frame, about seven frames Melbourne. lower. No, 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 no. So Brisbane, in early 2000s, won three in a row. Oh. Hawthorne from 2013 to 15, won three in a row. And Geelong from 2007, 2009, 2011, won three. Hmm. And they lost 2008, which was great. But if the Tigers win, my mum will be very happy. Well, she's a Richmond supporter. Rabid. So Stands to reason. She gets so excited. (laughs) She does. We'll be expecting a a phone call that we'll ignore. (laughs) Well, she can settle down for a couple of days and then, you know, we'll exchange texts. A couple of days. A couple of weeks. Anyway, yes, yes, sir, (laughs) ma'am. So we'll move on to Geelong and Brisbane. Early Early in the game, I wrote about this in the article and not many people commented on it. I was pretty annoyed. The old Malachi Crunch. What? You don't know about the Malachi Crunch, do you? You're making up nonsense. I'm not. It was in Happy Days. Sunday, Monday, oh, Happy God. Days. So, showing I'll, your I'll, age here. Yeah, yep. yeah, definitely. I was a kid when this was on, so you know the details might be a bit sketchy. So the Fonz and Pinky Tuscadero. Oh my God! Right. <laughs> Great name, by the way. What? They enter a demolition derby for some reason. Right. No one knows why. Okay. I don't know why. And I think the reigning champs and these brutal guys are called the Malachi Brothers. And they have a move where they get on either side of a car and they ram it from either side. It's called the Malachi Crunch. So it's basically a case of the left one don't get you, the right one will. And Pinky Tuscadero gets stuck when the car's stalled. 
and the Malachi brothers are getting ready for the Malachi crunch, and bang, off we go to the ad. Hell, it could even be the end of the season, I don't know. I don't know what happened. The fun saves her and everything's all well and good. But, my point here, and I do have one. <laughs> really? Is that Cam Guthrie and Joel Selwood did a great little version of the Malachi crunch in stopping Lockie Neal in the first quarter. Look, honestly, that was a really disappointing story because I started to get involved and then you're like, and then an ad. And I'm like, And then well, Ron Howard left the show. I couldn't believe it. You just slid me down. Richie Cunningham. me down here. Just jumped out on the whole family. Anyway, so Lockie Neal had three, three touches in the first quarter only. The Cats were dominating and were probably probably kicking themselves as they hadn't put the game to bed. I reckon they could have really tailed Brisbane up in the first quarter. What happened was, you know, the Lions went forward once, kicked the goal. Charlie Cameron went forward again late, kicked the goal. And I'm like, wow, they've really got out of jail in the first quarter. Didn't have it in them to, to go any further. Was really loving the work of Lockie Henderson. He played on a bloke named Daniel McStay. Now, we've spoken about McStay. Yes. Do you remember? Because you keep saying he should go or something. That doesn't sound like me at all. <laughs> I might say he should make something off at the moment because his last two finals games have been Ouch. absolutely atrocious. Now, he's playing key forward for Brisbane. During the course of the finals, he's put in an absolute shocker in the first week, but the Lions are good enough to win. In the meantime, Joe Danaher decides, hey, I want to go to Brisbane. So the pressure's on here for Daniel McStay to do something. And how does Daniel McStay respond? By doing nothing. Adam he boy. has three touches, and basically he's made himself expendable to this team. If I was sitting there watching him, I'm thinking he just doesn't have it. I think in one of the articles I I, I likened him to me in, in woodwork class at oh, school. Yeah. All the tools are there. They're telling you what to do. you just got no fucking idea of how to do it. <laughs> Right? You're hammering nails and like you're hitting yourself in the thumb. That's him. That's McStay on the football field. He's got the right tools. He's getting the right advice. He's just not good at it. <laughs> That's so sad. Do you know after I finished high school, I still had an unfinished stool in the lounge room for like eight years? Oh my God. And all I had to do was just thatch it. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and I thought, nah, this is a testament to my woodworking ability at staying here unfinished. McStay, I don't know whether he'll still be at Brisbane after this season. However, I don't want that to take away from the work of Lockie Henderson, who, oh, he's probably been, on average, Geelong's best player in the finals. And they delisted him last year and picked him back up again. So, absolutely fantastic effort, effort from Henderson. Just want to toot my own horn a little bit here. If you'll give me five minutes, I'll go off into the bathroom. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Quality work for me. So I chose our, to marry this man. I might have drugged you. Um, <laughs> in our preview, right, we noted three players from each team who needed to stand up that although they could have been passengers, they could have gone either way. So for Brisbane, we noted McStay, Hipwood and Rayner most likely to be passengers for Brisbane because they have these games where they just don't gel. They just can't find the footy. They drift out of the game. 14 touches between them for the game. What's that on average? 14, 14 divided by 3 is? Rubbish. About 6.6, .6, I think. 6.6 .6 touches each. 
That's terrible. No, it's not. It's like less than five each. Shit. Five, ten, fifteen. What are you talking about? What? So, <laughs> so apart from woodwork, right? <laughs> I also had this maths equation. <laughs> also had this maths equation that I never finished, <laughs> and I'm going to get it out later and have a crack at it. <laughs> it's uh, fourteen divided by three. <laughs> Just so people are aware. Anyway, so. In a couple of articles this year, we talked about how McStay's lack of production could cost Brisbane a final. I don't think his poor efforts were the only reason. Obviously, they had a lot of guys who just didn't show up, but it was definitely a reason and it didn't help at all. Harry Taylor played on Eric Hipwood. Thought he did a fantastic job of bodying him up and making sure Hipwood didn't get a clean run at the ball. And Colin Jasnidge, who has the hardest-to-spell name in the league... Geelong fans just call him Colo, spelt K-O-L-O, Jazz, spelt Jazz, and Knee, spelt as in your knee. Okay. Because they can't spell his name. He played on Charlie Cameron. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> he played on Charlie Cameron, and initially in the first quarter, it looked like it might have been a mistake. Charlie Cameron kicked two goals and kept Brisbane in it. And I was thinking, oh, I would much rather Jed Buse on... On Charlie Cameron. Yeah, his dad, I by the him. way. He knuckled down and held Charlie Cameron to just two touches. You're trying to make me hurry up quarters. here. I'm not hurrying up. <laughs> you know Jed, Jed Buse? Yeah. His dad's name's Andrew. So if you just use his initials, his name's A. Buse. Oh. Yeah, I my know. Goodness. Don't want to get in his bad side, do you? Oh, dear. No, old, someone didn't think that through. Poor old Abuse. Anyway, Mitch Robinson. Kind of like him on social media. He's pretty entertaining, but I'm wondering how far he is away from being not in their best 22. He didn't look great in this game at all. Uh, He's 31 years old. He's got Zach Bailey needing more time on the ball, maybe maybe on the wing he filled in earlier in the year. And I wonder what 2021 holds for Mitch Robinson. I don't think it's going to be a great year for him. Anyway, Steph Martin, really ordinary as well. Hasn't had a great year. I think he might be coming to the end of the road. Luckily... They have a bloke called Oscar McInerney, the big O, and he's actually proven himself really, really positive for this team. I didn't know what I was going to say <laughs> no, then. I just I was like, you were right. I was, I was reading my next note, and I got all confusified. <laughs> on the upside, a bloke named Ryan Lester did a fantastic job on Patrick Dangerfield when he was forward. Probably about 80% of the game, Dangerfield played forward, didn't kick a goal. And I, for the winners because I've only talked about Brisbane and how shitty they were. Mm. For the winners, love the work of Brandon Parfit yet again. He's been a tackling machine this postseason. He looks like mer- Merman. He does. Old school Merman from Masters of the Universe. Yeah. He's got that little curly lip like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he's a good swimmer, because Merman, that's where he's at his best. <laughs> Splashing around in the shallows. I regret saying anything. So his rundown tackle on Jared Berry was fantastic, was indicative of the Cats' endeavour on the night. Reece Stanley, really solid in the ruck again, played uh, against two blokes and, and beat them both. Cats, as I said, said, should have put it away in the first half. We had our cat chat going on in the mongrel chat, so some of our writers, Julian, who actually wants to be on our podcast, he's got Buckley's Hope <laughs> being on it. Uh, <laughs> Sam, I'm happy to give up my chair. Sam Mark Holland and Nick the Slugger. All cats men, they were complaining long and loud about how unfair the umpiring was. In their defence, 
the free kick count at halftime was 10 to 2 in favour of Brisbane. So maybe they had a bit of a point. However, early in the third quarter, Dangerfield gets tackled inside 50 and basically throws the ball to Gary Ablett, who kicks a goal. Crickets from those guys. Not a friggin' sound. Not, no, no typing about, oh, that was pretty unfair. All we got was, well, that makes up for the first half. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You just got gifted a goal at a crucial time of the game, and it's it's all's well, guys. Oh, it's, it happened for your team. <laughs> Everything's fine. So I'm like, unbelievable. Anyway, Lockie Neal tried hard in the last quarter, but the game was all over by then. Cats look really good, despite doing everything they could to keep the Lions in it early. And Brisbane, just basically not good enough, fell over with a home grand final on the line. That's so, sad. Pretty sad. Uh, you'd be pretty friggin' annoyed. But um, they didn't look annoyed at the Brownlow. 24 hours later, Lucky Neal gets up. Mrs. Mungrel did her review. There was a bit of confusion about Lockie Neal's mother-in-law. I really don't think that's his mother-in-law. I think that's his sister-in-law. I don't think so. I think uh, visits to Lockie Neal's place skyrocket when his mother-in-law's <laughs> over there. All the boys just happening to drop in. Oh, I didn't know you were here, Lockie's mum-in-law. <laughs> and you're swimming in the pool. I'll just take a seat and relax here for a while. Oh, you look like you need rescuing. Yes, I'll do a bomb. <laughs> yeah, you just see, you know, Jared Berry running in and uh, creating a big wave in there. Splash. Jesus. Yeah, let me tell you off. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, the players wear masks in Melbourne. Oh, yeah. How many times, like, was it like five minutes in and some one of them had it like below their nose? Yeah, we were immediately yeah. saying how long is this going to last? Yeah, we thought Not five long. minutes and it was about that. Yeah. The funny thing was is we couldn't actually tell who it was, but it was definitely someone <laughs> with their mask around their nose. Max Gorn, he just gave up after a while, didn't oh, he? but he... He's just a whole bunch of hair. He really is. So he's, he's just all beard. Yeah, so he kind of just dropped his down. Like people were like, yeah, the more beers they had, the less they gave a shit about it. You didn't... You weren't a big fan of Dangerfield's Uncle Arthur fashion, were look, you? I just... Oh, yeah, it just didn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> I really... I mean, it looked put together and it looked... You know, there was nothing particularly shocking. Not one piece that was just like, let the guy that wore tartan. That was all bad. Oh, Travis spoke. That was Yeah, terrible. you had one of them from no, Katie's. No, 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 not that... Not this time, last time. I have no idea. I only can remember maybe 48 hours. I think hours. the guy with the, the hair that looked like a sea anemone. He had like... Oh, Jason... Frosted. Jason Johannesson. I don't know. His only thing of note in the last couple of years is that. Oh, that's true. Oh, no, the hairstyle and that outfit. Mm. Well, yeah, I didn't mind Travis Boak's jacket because now, I have one. The big talking point is that Hamish McLaughlin, or is it McLachlan... I don't Who know. knows? What did I write? Who knows? Hamish McLachlan. <laughs> he pronounced Petraka. Petraka. Yeah. It was... And you and I just looked at each other like, holy shit, have we been just mispronouncing your favourite player's <sighs> oh name God. for the whole year? I what? just, I feel so bad. But then when but they... no, I don't know. Because somebody else said Petraka. Yeah. Is it Petraka or Petraka? We need to know this. So uh, Christian's mum's name's Elvira. If Elvira can give us a bit of a hand... Great name, by the way. It is a great name. Do you reckon she's a vampire? Yes. <laughs> All right. If you're a vampire, <laughs> or even if you're not, 
drop us a line, Elvira, and just let us know how you actually pronounce your surname because we were genuinely shocked when when Hamish was like <laughs> Petraka and I was like, Holy shit, we've been we've been wrong for the whole year. I can't believe it. Yeah. But then again, so is everyone basically. It's just that we don't care about everyone else. We I only care if we're wrong. Anybody else talk, so I don't know. This is just What about Tim Kelly's wife? She oh, looked she like so she tired. was done. Yeah. Completely done. That was at nine thirty. And it was her entirely her expression. Like she didn't look fatigued, like bag under the eyes kind of fatigued, like we do right now. She just now. looked like she wasn't like She just life. looked she just looked like I gotta go to bed. Oh my god. How many kids has she got? I don't know, three. Three. Three kids. Huh. That'll do it. So you thought, Oh, it's only nine thirty at night and she looks stuffed. No 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 no. She was on a three-hour delay or whatever, three-hour time zone difference. So, so it was 6.30, and she looked like she was ready to, to go nine-nice. In fairness, today, at about six, you looked like you were going to die on the couch. And three, and 4.30, and <laughs> quarter past five. What about your buddy uh, puppy dog guy, Selwood? Oh. Getting away with wearing a T-shirt at the formal event. What was that about? T-shirt and a jacket. He's like me when I go to he a meeting. Great, but... He looked like me when I go to a meeting and I'm wearing shorts and everyone else there in a suit and I just don't give a rat's ass and I just kind of sit there and let them all talk until the end and I just ask them a question and they can't answer and we all leave. It's great. <laughs> it's my favourite part of meetings. So the medal itself, foregone conclusion, basically before it I said if Lockie Neal's leading after about round five, it's, it's over because it means the umpires are looking for what he's doing. So after round five, he was way out in front. His style of play is obviously being being recognized by the umpires, and that wasn't going to change halfway through the year. So he basically led from very early onwards yeah, and yeah. was never headed. So, yeah, locking you. Good, good. I noticed that you've just glossed over the fact that I had three Nick Cage gifts in there. Well, I, f- I looked at that on our notes in your review. We weren't talking about your review. I don't know why you have to make everything about you. <laughs> <laughs> you making it about you or Nick Seems Cage? the man that has taken over the household with his little mongrel punt business. And will continue to. It's an <laughs> empire. I will go from the storeroom to the spare room to the lounge room. It will get downstairs eventually, and you might be out in your backside if you're not careful. <laughs> anyway. Speaking of being out in your backside, this has nothing to do with it at all. But we've got Radley's Player of the Week. Coming up. Now, I want to read to you what Radley's written about this player because it was your job that I may or may not have told you to go and research this player and find some interesting facts for everybody on him. I'm going to read what Radley has to say about his first player, which is Seb Ross from St Kilda. Well, short for Sebastian. Yeah, I, I, yeah thank you. And Ross is just Ross. Ross. Yeah. It's <laughs> cool. Two first names, I don't trust him at all. The player I'd like to bring up would be Seb Ross from the Saints, who was undeniably the punching bag of the Saints fan base. Despite being a two-time best and fairest winner, he never escapes criticism from fans for being slow or lazy or having terrible disposal. I want to stop there. Sometimes he does look slow and lazy and he does have terrible disposal. So maybe some of the criticism is right sometimes. Don't be injecting your own opinion into Radley's Listen, spiel. Listen, it's not Radley podcast, <laughs> is it? It might be. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I might get the arse here. <laughs> Each time he gets run down for holding the ball or slams the ball out of the centre in the general direction of the forwards, 
it's called out and instantly analyzed. A lot of players, when they create clearances, don't tend to manage to hit someone lace out, but don't receive the criticism. I'll admit that he is a bit one pace, and that he himself has admitted that elite field kicking isn't one of his strong points, but he does cop an unwarranted amount of flack. Flack? Yeah. Wow, that's a bad thing to cop. (laughs) He had a poor middle of the season, but finished strong in the last few games as well as the finals the Saints played. I think with Jack Steele taking the number one spot in the midfield and Jones the next spot, Ross does better with responsibility off his shoulders and the simpler task of tagging and getting a bit of his own ball. He did manage to nullify Brownlow favourite Lockie Neal in the Brisbane versus Saints match. Actually, Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal because this was written before the Brownlow. As well as a couple of other important scalps. Overall, Ross will likely get to continue to be just a reliable ball getter and tagging option for the Saints. He doesn't have to be anything special anymore with other midfielders stepping up. Mrs. Mungrel, what do you have to add to this? Look, he's played his entire career with the Saints. That's nine seasons. That's a lot of devotion. Oh, he's just getting paid well. The average... Australian marriage is 12.3 years. So if he just hangs around for a little bit more, he'll beat people who are actually in love who say, yes, I will marry you and spend the rest of my life with you. You get less for murder these days, don't you? <laughs> We're not making it to 12.3. I was talking about die. him. <laughs> actually, I've still got that heart thing going on, people. <laughs> might, might be our last podcast. So I keep feeding you. The way we're going, I'll cook some more schnitzels. Oh, Ow, what's that chest pain? Um, he called Dan Butler butts in an interview with The Age, which won me over very quickly. Oh, the old double-ass Dan Butler. He's called him butts. <laughs> I was like, great, yeah, love it. I like that, I rate that. And I looked for more information, and I have to call out the Saints fans on this. Disgraceful effort, Saints fans. Did you look on you know, some of the I message looked, boards? Uh-uh, I looked on their Wikipedia on his Wikipedia page. You should have edited it's it. It's just a stub. It's tiny. Maybe I will. I should make a mongrel wiki page. I think you and Radley should go into Seb Ross's Wikipedia page and just make shit up. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he could have been party to some dwarf throwing or lighting on fire, but uh, St Kilda actually did that. They did. What? Yeah, they were uh, at one of their post-season functions what they hired a little person and did not someone may have uh, tried to catch him on fire <laughs> what the fuck? seriously look you can you can fact check this and you can come back and refute it but there was a furor at the time and uh they were hauled over the coals about it but they weren't set on fire so yeah not, not the greatest from st kilda at that point in time i, I think that may have been before seb's time at the club I don't know what to say. Really? I. You didn't know it was a legitimate pastime, did you? Setting I people was, on fire. I was looking at you like, what the hell are you talking about? Can you shut up? Because. That's true. What? <laughs> but <laughs> I just thought you were making up shit. I do make up a lot of you shit, do. but this time I'm almost sure that I'm right. Because <laughs> this sounds suspiciously like a story I told you um, a little while ago. From the Ricky Gervais podcast. Are you perhaps... Stealing his material? Maybe. 
You're not sure. Maybe. I've well, never, never listened to the Ricky Gervais podcast, I though. I wonder if... Yeah, but you listen to so, me tell you. you're going to know that if this is true, this part will still be part of the podcast. Otherwise, Radley, thank you so much for your input. <laughs> Mrs. Mungrel, pretty poor on her research, I have to say. Hey, here. I did my best. There's actually not much about him, unfortunately, around. I read a few interviews. You know, I don't. I couldn't find any hobbies that he has. Maybe he doesn't have hobbies. Oh. I didn't look at his Twitter account. Does he have one? I don't know. Ah. I just want to point out that I actually do think that, that Radley's spot on about the, the last point he made about Seb Ross slotting into that third midfielder role. He runs just as hard at the end of the game as he does at the start and will still pick up plenty of the ball next year, but if he can actually stop a few players along the way, really, really beneficial. There you go. There we go. Mrs. Mungrel, grand final preview time. Now, sit back down, sit back down. You're being silly. You're getting too excited. <laughs> <laughs> who's who's like playing it. again? I know this. It's the Tigers and the Cats. Wow. A fountain of knowledge. I am. We are. Oh, I was going to take some of that credit, but it's just you. It's just me. God damn. A lot of talk about Dusty versus Danger. Will they play on each other? I don't know. Nope. They oh. won't play on each other. Not for long periods anyway. I think that Cam Guthrie will go to Dusty and Dusty will just do what? he usually does and that's play his own game and if Guthrie can limit him in any way it's a huge win massive win we know about Dusty's track record in grand finals two of them two best on grounds two Nom Smith medals two Gary Ayres medals for the best player in finals and I'm just compiling our player of the finals scores tonight looking like he's right up the top of them as well this season so Look, I reckon Danger's got a bit to prove, but I think he'll spend a bit of time forward to try and open up the game for Tom Hawkins. I think he'll try and draw the attention of Dylan Grimes. Now, we spoke about that a bit earlier on, that I think Grimes could be the key to the grand final. If Dangerfield can keep him busy, it means that Noah Bolter has to play Tom Hawkins one-on-one. When they played earlier in the year, Dylan Grimes just drifted off his opponent who I believe was either Gary Rowan or Asava Ratagalia, and just came across and destroyed every contest that Hawkins was in. So very, very interesting to see how Geelong line up. Grimes the key to this game, I reckon. Number one defender at Richmond, and if they can occupy him for the first half at least without having Hardwick switch things up, they might get enough of a lead to hold on. If he's allowed to drift back and help out, Hawkins will be ineffective. And if Hawkins is ineffective, almost by proxy, the Cats are ineffective. I don't know if Hardwick has the wherewithal or the the people available to stop Tom Hawkins taking the ball out of the goddamn ruck four or five times a game. So in the forward line, they're throwing the ball in from the boundary throw-in and Hawkins is basically stronger and he's just pushing an opponent out of the way catching the ball and either handballing it off or kicking the ball forward. It's happened every week and no coach has been able to devise a game plan to stop it. I'd like to see someone run straight at him, not the Ruckman, and the minute he takes that ball, just absolutely barrel him and knock him on his backside. Anyway. That's a bit aggressive. Okay. Well, you can't just let a bloke his size do that time and time again without any repercussions. Gaz has got his last game. 
win, lose, or draw, Gary Ablett will retire. One of the greatest players of all time. Five most valuable player awards. Eight All-Australians. And look, I'm not even looking at notes here. I just know this stuff. Two Brownlows. Six-time club champion. So quite a resume. And to go out with a premiership would be fitting. But I just wrote an article today saying, you know, the Tigers are really, really good at taking your fairy tale and smacking you in the face with the reality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe put that one away and see how he goes in his last game. Don't know if the Cats can have someone play defensive forward on Nicky V. <laughs> or just attack the body of Hooley again. Love the defense of the Cats this season, but the Lynch and Revolt combo is a bit of a killer. Jack Revolt kicked five in last year's grand final, and people were questioning his form all year. Come to the grand final, up he gets, five goals. So, you know, he can still bob up and really hurt you. Gary Rowan kicked three this week. Cats fans will be nervous as hell that he'll go missing in the grand final. Got a bit of a track record in finals of not stringing good games together. And after kicking three, a couple of them in junk time, I have to say, like the game was well out of hand and he kicked a couple of goals. You'd be interesting to see how he goes. Blitzarv's very important, pinching in the ruck and getting back as necessary. For the Tigers, no one cracks in harder than Cochin. Say what you want about his hair. Say what you want about his wife going to salons in lockdown. But uh, when there's a loose ball on the ground, he's going to throw his body at it. And if you're in the way, good luck. Shea Bolton at half forward's a great move. Made room for Prestia in the middle coming back. And Bolton's look fantastic across there. I'm really wrapped to see Kemden McIntosh get his chance at a grand final after missing last year. What happened to him? He was the player who was not left out but didn't get a spot in the team for Marlon Pickett. So Pickett came in played his first game in the grand final. I believe next in line was Kemden McIntosh. I think he played, this is off the top of my head, I think he played 14 games for the year. And didn't... Now, a lesser man would have basically said, screw this, I'm leaving. But he hasn't. He's knuckled down. He's played nearly every game this year. Has been really, really good on the wing for them. I'm hoping he has a really, really good game, win, lose, or draw. Going out in the limb here, Jason Castagna kicked zero goals five in last year's grand final. I reckon he kicks three in this grand final. Goals, not behinds. Yep and makes everyone realize why he's been in the team. Even when he's quiet, they've they've persisted with him, and I reckon that he's about to repay the faith. First 20 minutes tells the story. Intensity's always there for the first 5 or 10. The players are up and about. You remember that last year, GWS were actually in the game at quarter time. It was really, really tight for the first quarter, and then I think Richmond kicked a goal maybe just before the siren to kind of almost break their spirit. I don't remember any of this. Yeah, well, it's pretty pretty hazy to me to look it up, actually. <laughs> no, no, I remember. So the first 20 minutes, like the first 10 to 15, you expect Geelong to be going red hot at the ball. But as people fatigue, the kind of system kicks in. So I'm waiting to see what happens in the late part of the first quarter, whether we have Richmond start to get on top. If that's the case, bodes really well for them going forward. What do you reckon, Mrs. Mungrel? Tips? Tigers are going to win. Bye. Eight points. Eight points. It's going I'm to be going very tight, and people are going to cry. I think people will cry, irrespective. Yeah. Yeah. Even people just you know wandering down the street. I might cry. Going to get a pie, and there's none left. <laughs> crying. 
Yeah. Oh, did you see how many people lined up for a haircut today, by the way? Yeah. Just down, down the road. It was Down the road. This bonkers. is just a barber, right? So this is all dudes. I'm like, come on, dudes. Just let your hair grow a bit. But <laughs> out the door and like seven deep. Yeah. Waiting for a haircut. I'm like, that was just got nothing to do with the grand final. But those guys should really get a life. Just Seriously. It really shocked you, didn't it? Mm. I was appalled. Just buy some clippers, you losers. Who do you think is going to win and buy how much? Tigers, for me, buy about, well, I was going to say 21, but I reckon maybe 17. Oh. Geelong maybe kicks a late one and gets it to within three goals. But, yeah, Tigers, final specialists. I don't think this dynasty is anywhere near over. So, yeah, looks like another um, another few months of Tiger fans rejoicing, I reckon. You're just shaking your head like you couldn't give a rat's ass. I won't notice. (laughs) (laughs) We might leave it there. We'll be back with our huge, huge, or at least moderately sized grand final wrap-up after the big game. Uh, We'll be having an e-book that will detail everything we've written about the winning side as well. So I think our $12 members get that for nothing. They do. They do. But uh, if you are interested, we usually sell that for about 150 bucks. No, six, six bucks. Usually about six six bucks or so. Um, I see where the hell's the money been going, mister? Yes, I have got it stashed. Um, it's a rainy day fund. Slush fund. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be looking at hitting the trade week and draft and stuff as well in the coming weeks. So I want to give big thanks to our members who have really jumped on board this year. And, and our listeners. And our member listeners. And also our listeners who aren't members but should be. <laughs> And we hope you've enjoyed our podcast this year. A couple more to go. And, yeah, I don't uh, know what we're going to do over the break if we keep going with something. We might do a history podcast. Yeah, all right. All right, we might wrap it up there, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy the grand final. Bye.